From the backwoods and the swamp waters of the Sunshine State and all across America and the world, this is The Big and Wild Outdoors with your host, Braden Gunn, Jonathan Swindle, and Glenn Kinman. Just the two of us. song <laughs> good morning everybody it's the big and wild outdoors just the two of us actually for, it's the three for the of moment us. for the moment Braden gun bill george and aaron behind the glass it's just the two of us in here this morning uh hanging out glenn is out gallivanting jonathan's uh out at the ata show hopefully he'll give us a call a little bit later on i think everybody else in our world is at the ata show the Seatons, they're all out there. Everybody's there. Brunson's there. Everybody's out at the either at the ATA show or the uh, the SCI show. That's the big one. Ella Brothers was last week, so that's over. So, and then uh, of course, then the the big uh, the big firearm shot show is right around the corner. So, are you going to go to that? No. Why not? Got to work. You always have to work. I know it's one of those things that you have to do. You like to eat. I, I do like to eat. I do enjoy that. Yes, that is one of the great benefits of working. Is that it helps bring food into. Yeah, that's a good thing. I like it. Uh, later on, around 830-ish or so, so he says, uh, Vince Noble, the uh, the uh, Don of Indian Rocks Beach, otherwise known as Big Shug, Big Sugar, uh, he's going to be coming in too, bringing a couple of special guests. I don't want to give it too too much away but we have spoken to both of these guests before and uh if they both come in i don't know i know that one of them is he's traveled a long way to get here so we'll just have to wait and see well i'm looking forward to it yeah apparently they went out last night and did some did some fishing some bow fishing so <clears throat> they're probably nappy nappersons right now so i was told they'd be here at 8 30 not going to give you a promise that they'll be here at 8.30. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes it's one of those things where you've been out late, especially out on the water. I don't know why. It just seems to make you tired. Or Yeah, but you shouldn't have gone to bed yet. You should just that's plan what, your trip so that you end right before daybreak. That's what I would have done. <clears throat> Come in here all punch drunk, man. You know, like, uh, <sighs> yeah, that would have been much more funny. It would have been a much lighter, breezier show. Well, I, I can tell you, I take napping in the breaks to an art. I have never seen a guy. The only other person I've seen that can fall asleep faster than you in a chair, sitting upright with his arms folded, is Gene Deckerhoff from the Buccaneer Radio Network. Yes. That dude, I'm telling you what, when we'd get on the plane, when we'd get on the team plane, he'd slide over in that far seat against the window. I, I mean, I hadn't even got to my seat yet. And Gene already had a blanket on, the whole nine yards, glasses up. He was out. He says, we'll be back after these messages. <laughs> well, Touchdown Tampa Bay. Good night. Good night. I mean, that was it. And uh, he, uh, he'd he get a good cat nap in for about an hour or so, depending on how long the flight was. And then he'd wake up when the food service came. He'd nosh. And then next thing you know, he'd yeah. be out again. You know, I, I this week I went to a FWC meeting about alligator stuff and um 
you know, one of the things they always say is, Bill, how do you, how do you have so much time? How do you do so much? Well, you got to take those little breaks when you can, you know? So you get beeped at a lot at red lights? Is that what you're saying? People <laughs> no, get behind you no. and honk the horn? Ah, get off your phone! I was a sleepy fool. I wasn't a... But, you know, I, I do wonder sometimes. I, I've i gone between, you know, Zephyr Hills, Plant City, and, and Tampa, and somehow I, I've missed the I-4 interchange twice. And, and you don't... It's like, how did I get through that? I'm on the other side. I don't remember going through it. That's not good, man. That is not good at all. I've no. been there. Like you, you're like, how did I get home? You just don't remember. You're like, you just oh it's so much in your mind. You know, you when got- are you people doing this? So I know I'm not to be on the road with my children. When are you zombieing your way homes, man? That's what I said. How do you miss the I four interchange? I, I, you you did it. So I remember it this morning. Oh yeah, there you go. Well, I I got to say <clears throat> we have a lot of things to cover on the show today for sure. And with the two of us in here for the time being, I think we'll probably keep it just enough. Uh, if Jonathan is awake, he'll be uh, coming back with probably about six less teeth because he'll probably break them off in his own jaw <laughs> just from grinding. But uh, one of the things I wanted to say, if you've been following politics this past week here in the state of Florida, I know for a lot of you folks out there uh, listening in other areas of the country and around the world, uh, you know, we heard so much about the red tide and you know, everything was going on with the red tide. And, you know, I, there's two sides to every story. Every captain we talked to said, you know, Captain Little last week said, you know, the red tide wasn't affecting his fishing very much at all, if but any, in the places he was going. It affected the charters more than the fishing. And it, the people had a perception, and you didn't want to be there because they had heard so much bad, but yet we were all catching fish yeah and the other thing i i heard a story uh this past week some guy on the radio somewhere talking about how he went out on a fishing charter and had to go like 50 miles offshore to get away from the red tide and i was like where were you dude because they did king of the beach everything else out there and they were only a few miles off and they were catching fish and uh they were doing fine so i don't know why you had to feel that you had to go that far out uh to go and do it but anyway um, of course, all that came from uh, the big discussion. That's probably one of the reasons why we don't want to do this now. We want to save it for when Ben Sugar's in, in the room, because it would be very funny, is uh, this past week, the governor, uh, you said it best, man, he came out of the ring. He came out of that corner swinging this week. Oh, my gosh. Uh, one of the first things I will tell you, we'll talk about the water thing a little bit later, but uh, two of the things that got my attention right off the bat this week, boom, Say goodbye to the sheriff down south. He he gone. Oh, that's so disappointing. Broward County <laughs> Sheriff down there, uh, who uh, where the Parkland shooting happened, of course. Uh, the sheriff down there seemed to be more grandstanding for politics than he was for uh, what had happened down there, especially with the deputy that was told to stand down, or at least was taught to stand down which Grady Judd and every other sheriff in our area here just went, what are you, why would you do, why, you should be the one running in there, man. Why would you tell your officers this kind of stuff? Well, when they got done with that big study of what really happened in the dissecting it, which takes a long time, you know, he had opportunities to, to deal with that problem long before that shooting. And he didn't, you know? 
Well, he, he didn't, and, and now it cost him his job, uh, so uh, we don't have to worry about him anymore. <clears throat> He'll be appointing a new sheriff, I'm sure, pretty soon. So uh, Scott Israel, the sheriff down south, who uh, we've learned from other law enforcement friends in our community, was not a very good person to work for, to be honest with you. So um, they're silently applauding this move as well. So he's out. He'll probably end up a sheriff in New Jersey or something. He'll go to New Jersey. He'll go to California. California would love to have him. Bye-bye. <laughs> See you. Take it easy. Don't let the door hit you where the whatever. Uh, so the, that was one of the things that caught my attention right off the bat. And then the second one was <clears throat> at the beginning of the week, <laughs> you know, it was all over the news that we had this new commissioner that was uh, taking over for uh, – what was the guy, Buford, Robert, who was the guy? I don't even know who he was taking over for. There wasn't. Started with a B. Wasn't it Bursloff? What was his name? I can't remember. Anyway, he, um, this new guy was taking over for the, uh, for the outgoing commissioner. And, uh, so I, when I saw that on the news, I went and looked him up and looked up his bio and I was like, why, why is this guy, why is he even here? Why, I don't understand why he's even a part of fishing game. He's a huge developer. He was part of Swift mud, you know, all that other kind of stuff in the background, things that have not been not so friendly to the great outdoors in the state of Florida, whether it be a hunter or somebody who likes to go hiking. Oh, this doesn't matter. This is the best part. This is maybe why you liked him so much. He he used to be part of the Swift mud. (laughs) 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 And, and, And he resigned from that shortly after, uh, approving some type of uh, deal for an ex-partner in business. Yeah, and that was when he was part of the uh, Swift Mud little uh, mafia yeah. thing right there. So, uh, but, but, you know, I guess he didn't even get time to unpack his box because uh, before he was even getting in there, um, the uh, new governor said, yeah, thanks for coming by, but uh, we're not going to need you right here. So you can just go ahead and go. Well, we'll see. There is a process. Um, the Senate or, you know, the legislative branch of the government has to approve whatever appointee. And I don't think that um, the new legislative group is going to want to uh, approve them if DeSantis isn't happy with them because, you know, they're going to have to deal with him for at least four years. Yeah. Well, I, I just thought it was very interesting, especially for our friends over there at the Lakeland Ledger. Uh, in their outdoor section, uh, it was like, uh, hey, at least there's some good news. <laughs> and then uh, they talked about his removal. And so uh, I, Carlos Baruff is He's still name. on FWC's website. That yeah. He's there. Well, you know what? On their other profile, uh, on the commissioner says meet the commissioners portion of it. Actually, it, uh, uh, I don't see him on there. I he see, was on uh, there this morning. I see uh, Spotswood. I see Soul. Uh, uh, there's just a picture of the FWC logo where Carlos Baruff is, and then uh, Joshua Kelman, and Gary Lester, and then another guy. I don't know why he's on there, Gary Nicholas. Yeah. I guess maybe because he's got a great backswing or something. Well, I don't know. And then uh, Sonia Root. So the one, one that, that left was the one from the panhandle. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> and his. It's not his picture. Look, they just put the logo up there. There he is, right there. Look, see, see. Logo. Yep. <laughs> All right, we got to take a quick break. It's just the two of us for right now. Me and Bill George, Braden Gun, Bill George, and uh, Aaron. 
And uh, we're going to take a fast break. We're brought to you by Brandon Ford and G5 Feed and Outdoor. Sing it, Dave. All right. We are the Big and Wild Outdoors. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for getting up early and listening to the show. We really do appreciate it. If you want to chime in on anything, Chuck and Ishnagogla, you can uh, give us a call at 888-404-1010. That's 888-404-1010. Before the break, we were talking a little bit, me and Bill George, because it's just the two of us in here today until 830 or so. Uh, A gentleman who was appointed to the uh, FWC late, wouldn't they call it a midnight appointment? One of those things where the outgoing governor kind of, <clears throat> starts making all these appointments In and all this kind of stuff. Hour. Yeah, before he gets ready to walk out the door and go, oh, by the way, go ahead and just let Carlos Baruff uh, get on the commissioner thing. Okay. You know, so, uh, and uh, actually our new governor, uh, DeSantis, has decided that, uh, no, he's not going to be there and well, has removed him. And, uh, you know, when you say, well, it was for political reasons because, you know, they ran against each other, you know, for uh Marco Rubio's seat and all this other stuff. And uh, you look at the things that were posted about the guy, and of course these are factual deals. I, I, as a person who... Uh, no, they're wrote, accusations. Mm, no, I don't know. I don't. Has he been convicted of anything? Well, that depends on how you look at it. I mean, if you're a normal person and you say, here's a guy applying for a job and he wants to make sure that uh, the wildlife and I'm just areas, saying, I- management areas, and all this other stuff is taken care of, that's part of his job, and to oversee hunting and fishing and things like that, and conservation uh, to a point and to a degree here in the in the state of Florida, and they say, well, what are your qualifications, sir? And you say, well, <clears throat> I'm currently facing an ethics commission complaint on how I helped other one of my friends uh, former developer, partner, while serving as chairman of the Southwest Florida Water Management District. Uh, got that kind of going for me, so I had to resign from Swift Mud after that little thing. Uh, also, one of my qualifications is I've been accused of illegally moving a eagle's nest. And uh, also, uh, Manatee County investigated my company uh, for ripping up a county-owned conservation area. And in December 2011, as a governing board member of the Swift Mud, he voted against expanding hunting in Cypress Creek Preserve, Hampton Track of Green Swamp, and Green Swamp out of Parcels, the Hapla Tasnaki and uh, Connors Preserve, and more than 16,000 acres of Lower Hillsborough Track, with the exception of a small track opened, which is 2,600 acres for youth and family hunts, only five permits each. Also, I planned a marina that would require a 60-foot-wide channel through 2,100 feet of seagrass, and I said it would not harm the environment. So right there so far, I got that going for me. So what do you think, Governor? Sure. How much money did you donate? (laughs) And if you look at the majority of these appointees, okay, they have all, every last one of them, donated quite a bit of money to the campaigns of the people in which appoint them. That's just part of what it is. And, you know, I wish I had a bunch of money to donate um, in order to do that. I, I would love to be on, on that commission one day. Uh, but what I don't understand is if this gentleman who uh, was on there, as, as well as almost every other person that's on the board, with the exception of maybe Josh, Joshua, who's a young guy out there who probably doesn't have the, 
you know, millions of dollars that these other people Wrong. may have. Wrong. Oh, he does? Family. Oh, okay. Well, but I don't understand what is the, why do you get there? Why? What would be your purpose to go into the the Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission if you're, what is your calling to be there and to be a part of that? If it's not to do the things that you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, a lot of it is politics. It's positions, you know. It's a positioning for what? I mean, that's what I'm saying. I've always said this about the commission, that you don't see guys like you or Chuck or I, I don't care. Take Get somebody on the from the other side. Get some animal rights person on there. Get a little level-headed, you know, balance on there or something like that. Or at least somebody that's in the middle. You got to look at it like kind of like the Supreme Court. If you got nothing but developers and and multi multi millionaires on there who made their money off of the uses of land, other than the ones that they're trying to uh, fight for, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, no, it, there should be a lot of balance, and that's where a lot of good comes out is from a lot of good conversations. Sure. Um, um, one of the challenging part is those commissioners can only talk to each other during the commission meeting times. So it's not like they can go bout back and forth all the time. Um, you know, they, they can only discuss things when it comes up to the commission and, and, and you only have so much time to discuss it, now, but well, you, you say- really do want a, a good, good balance and a lot of different ideas. Um, I, I would look at it this way. There have been so many great deals and so many compromises and so many business deals uh, maybe that's why uh, Gary Nicholas is on there. It's been done on the golf courses. How many great multi-million dollar business deals have been done out there while they're playing around the golf? Why couldn't these guys out on the dove field, you know, sit there and, and discuss, uh, you know, the the bear issue or uh, red tide or uh, how the snook are doing down along the west coast of Florida? Why, why would you do that? Limit yourself to, if it's not something that you really, really care about, why would you be there in the first place? I don't know. Uh, I, I'm very passionate about it. I've been I've been to more commission meetings than any one of those people. Up Isn't there. that amazing? Isn't that you amazing? And, and because you don't care, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. You you care. You go. You go. You you have your voice heard. You sit there with those people. You discuss it. You stay at. You get there early. You stay afterwards. Everybody else is getting out in the car, all frustrated, mad, and you go up there and you talk to each one of those people, and they know you on a first name basis. Yeah, and, and regardless of whether or not they they agree with you or disagree with you, when it comes to the next topic, you start fresh. You know, um, just because they, where most people they give up, they they didn't vote your way on one thing, so I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know, and they walk away, and it's. I'm not leaving. <laughs> yeah, but it's one of those things. <clears throat> you have to take a page from the Democrats on this. You know, everybody thought, well, <clears throat> okay, we can breathe easy now. We've got uh, Donald Trump in there, and so we don't have to worry about assault weapons bans or anything else like that. And what's the first thing they do? Diane Feinstein's back at it again. You know, oh, yeah. it didn't happen the first time. They don't give up. They're going to go back in it and, and, and try to put it through one more time. You know, they're never going to stop trying. So I think our commissioners uh, for the FWC should be – at least in that same mindset, you know, uh, the bear thing or anything else, Goliath group or take your pick. It's one of those things where if you just go, well, we lost, that's it. Walk away. And, and never, that's, and that's what just, most people do. And it gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah. And so, then, and like you say, the only ones that don't is the, the anti, um, you know, people, uh, 
they're going to be there every time, regardless. Now, now I got to ask you, how do how do you and I apply? I'm going to write this down. How do we apply to become uh, commissioners? Well, there is. I have never actually gone out there and looked at it, and I probably should. An actual application to be considered for that position, for that appointment. Is that something we could call uh, Tony Young to find out about or uh, not? Or I'm sure. Like that? I'm sure. You know, Tony we, Young. We know people. We can we can get our names in there. Oh, you anybody can put their name in there. Yeah, but how do we get to the top of the stack? How do you get to the top of the stack? Yeah, how do we get there? Do I have to call some people inside about the Capitol? About $50,000. What? Do you know 50,000 people that would all raise $1? Maybe a GoFundMe account. <laughs> Let's try to GoFundMe account to get the... Uh, or 10,000 people that will give you $5 a piece. Or 20,000. Or, you know, we'll get 100,000, donate, uh, you know, 50 cents. Go, go to each one of those appointments. Go in and look at what their contribution was to the different people who appointed them for their political positions. I just, you know, that just seems just smacks of evil to me. You know, you buy your way into a job that you really don't really have any heart or interest in except for political reasons and just to climb the ladder or put it on your resume. I, I just don't get it. You know, if it was me or you or Glenn or Jonathan, pick anybody in this room, we'd be there fighting for this stuff every single day. You know what I'm saying? Live yeah. it, eat it, breathe it kind of deal. It'd be part of our our um, our job. <laughs> it wouldn't be just something that you do off on the side well, to, to, to put on don't there. Don't think that these people do not care. I mean, I, I think they do. It's, and in a lot of sense. But you're going to sit there and tell me that these people care the same way you and I do? Or the way Glenn does about his fishing? Or, but uh, I don't some know guy? that our right is any more right than their right. You know, in some senses, I like the fact that they don't have a lot of, you know, tires in those ruts. They they ha When they look at it, if they look at it in fresh eyes and can look at it and make a decision based upon the facts at hand, you know, of course, they only get delivered the facts that somebody wants them to hear. Mm -hmm. But then they make a decision and they'll ask questions based upon that. And if you if you go into it with a predefined position... You don't. You're not open into listening to, to everything. I don't uh, know. I think I can be persuaded. Okay. Just, you know, you just I've have seen to you pretty stubborn. You, well, you just have to end every <laughs> sentence with. So, what do you got to trade? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll give you the Goliath Grouper if we get the bear hunts back. How's that sound? <laughs> and then uh, five years later, I'll go. You know what? We'll ease up on the bear if you let us open up for a Goliath Grouper. What do you think? What do you got to trade? <laughs> I'm all good with that. All right, we got to take a fast break, you guys. We'll change the subject when we come back. We are the Big and Wild Outdoors, brought to you by G5 Feeding Outdoors and the great folks over at Brandon Ford. Are you sure? All right. Welcome back, everybody. It's the. Uh, oh, wait. I got to wait till the drums. There we go. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Big and Wild Outdoors, Braden Gun. Bill George, just the two of us in the studio for a while. Aaron behind the glass, if you want to talk to her or talk to us, you know you can call anytime you want to. Uh, you got a question, a comment, anything like that? It's open. We're, we're you know we don't we don't uh, discourage anybody from calling the show, whether you be for us or against us. We don't care. Eight 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 four zero four ten ten triple eight four zero four ten ten. Did you make any New Year's resolutions? Nope. Have you ever made a New Year's resolution? No, I don't. You know, I don't think I, I, I don't think I ever did. It was not one of those things in our household that was, uh, you know, 
uh, you know, it wasn't a, uh, I don't know, what do you call it, a tradition? I don't, I don't know, uh, something. I, we just never did that. Yeah. But I, I stayed at home. I think like everybody, everybody I've met, just about, literally, I was like, so what'd you do for New Year's? Eh, stayed at home, just hung out, you know, kind of watched some TV, played with the kids, had a fire out back, you know, something at home. Yeah. It wasn't like they went out and went, did any crazy stuff or anything. Did you, you do anything? I didn't do anything. See? A lot of people did the, uh, with younger kids, they did the early countdown where they, they had the fake countdowns on Netflix. Have you heard about this? No. So like nine o'clock, you play it for the kids, you know, and they do this thing for 30 minutes and then it's a countdown and then you put the kids to bed because it's, <laughs> it, it's new year already. Yeah. Kids, kids and people over 55. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. I stayed, I didn't have to stay and watch New Year's because when I woke up the New Year's day, uh, Eve, uh, they were already showing it was New Year's in Sydney as they always do, and I was like, "Okay, Happy New Year, let's move on." <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was like, "Yay, Happy New Year!" Okay, bye bye. I, I I've never done that either, made any New Year's resolutions or anything, but it's just amazing how many ads you see for various gyms and. You oh, know. it's that time of year. Oh, man. of course yeah. it is. We all gain weight after the holidays, and so everybody's like, "Get your bikini body back!" And I. You know, as your mom used to always tell you, if they can't love you for who you are, then they don't really love you. So forget it. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things. Uh, I came across an interesting story this past week, and I just I was kind of quizzing Bill George during the break on it because, uh, you know, we always talk about, um, you know, a lot of people complain that they don't have places to go and hunt, you know, and trying to find a lease somewhere or try to go get on a piece of property, and it's it's so tough and. Management areas are crowded and uh, people are rude and, you know, take your pick and all this stuff. So I tried to look at this story when I first saw it. I said, you know what? I need to know every one of these people so that you go, if you ever want to write a letter or anything or see if possibly there's the <clears throat> possibility of maybe they open it up for hunting, uh, then uh, these would be the people that you really want to know. Okay. And the reason why is because they came out with the list and I don't know why, uh, but Money, you know, Money Magazine came out with the <clears throat> the uh, top list of people who own the most of America's land. The most land. The most land. And when I say the most land, I mean like, you know, how many acres and all that kind of stuff like that. Uh, how many they actually own. <clears throat> and uh, I know there's, there's like 30 of them that they have listed. <clears throat> As Bill George says, I've never made it through a list in one break, so... Uh, <laughs> We're going to try to go. We didn't even start at the beginning, so Uh, we we have no chance. I'm just going to go with this one. Uh, Let's just go with this one, that the the 30th one, okay, is the Hughes family, which owns a big ranch out in Texas, and they own 390,000 acres. That's a lot of land. 390,000 acres, and that's in one spot. That's in Texas, okay? That's not all over the place. Uh, Number 28 is uh, the Holding family, which uh, actually owns 400,000. Thousand acres, and uh, their land uh, where they have it is in Utah and in Idaho, and they also have a cattle ranch that covers most of the southern tracts of Montana and northern Wyoming. So <clears throat> they got it spread out all over the place, and uh, most of these guys really do. And this one here I thought was really funny. Number twenty eight is Jeff Bezos. And uh, he owns 400,000 acres. He's tied with number 29. Now, that, of course, may change after his divorce is finalized because apparently somebody's going to get half of something. So 
<laughs> it may be money or it did may he, not be. Did he get all that land while he was married? Uh, I don't know. Was uh, it hers when they married or was I mean, it his may, prior? I mean, he might have had some before them. Uh, number 27 is Philip Anschutz. He owns 434,500 acres. Of course, he's worth $13.9 billion. So, uh, you know, that's probably chump change for him. Uh, he controls uh, land in several western states and is developing the largest wind farm in North America. So he'll be an eagle killer here pretty soon. Uh, 26 is the Fisher family that owns $440,000. They're the ones who founded Gap, the clothing store. And so, um, most of they, most of theirs is forest land in California. And, uh, of course, they use it for a sustainable forestry business and have pledged to harvest just 2% of their acreage every year. So there's one. Uh, 25 is the Simplot family, 440,000 acres. <clears throat> he, uh, he started a vegetable firm back in the family did. He was a potato tycoon back in 1929. And he owns 15 ranches in Idaho, Nevada, Oregon, Utah, and more than 30 integrated farms in Iowa, Washington, Oregon, and Nevada. So man of many eyes. <laughs> uh, 24 is the McDonald family, 474,000 acres. Uh, McDonald's family have uh, owns tens of thousands of acres in Alabama and Florida. And is a main holder in the uh, up in Maine. They have some property up there in maine as well so uh dr horton five hundred and three thousand acres uh he's got more than uh a bunch of it he added 131,195 acres to his bulging portfolio in this past year alone westervelt heirs 518,000 acres hmm. paper company so what do you think they own trees Pi all forested forest in five states. Uh, Hollywood where uh, Holland where Georgia native confirmed that he owned 500,000 acres in Virginia and Texas. That's it. Stimson family, 552,000 acres. Of course, again, they are loggers. Most of these people that I see there are, you know, for uh, loggers and stuff like that. Uh, their family actually established the lumber company back before the civil war. And they now expand uh, and have land in Montana, Oregon, Idaho, and Washington. So if you're looking for a trophy elk hunt, <laughs> get a hold of those folks. Yeah, and and some people don't realize some of these timber companies, especially up in Pennsylvania, they open their land wide open for us to go hunt. They, some it, some it, do. It it really is amazing. Um, they just open up the gates, and you know normally they're closed, but during hunting season, they want you to go in there and keep. All those tree-eating animals to a minimum. That's right. And close the gate. Uh, 19 is Thomas Pettifree, or Pettifree, uh, which should be known here in the state of Florida. He owns 561,000 acres. He owns a large swath of forest in northern Florida, at least uh, at 561,000 acres. Uh, that makes it literally as big as Rhode Island. So he pretty much owns uh, a state. Uh, Martin family owns 570,000 acres. Uh, they have most of that in the deep south. That's all they say in the uh, in the deep south here in America. O'Connor's heirs, 586,000, uh, 87,000 acres, dubbed the Texas Cattle King. Uh, they got that land back in Victoria County back in 1834. 
1834. But in the past two years, they've also added added, uh, 87,000 acres. Hammer family, 600,000 acres. Most of his is all timberland. Of course, they cut it down for trees as well, uh, cut it down for paper and everything else. Number 15 is our first Florida company that owns land. Major. Yeah. Do you know who it is? At 15? Yeah. Collier. It's a name that we all know. There's 50,000 people in their cars right now screaming at the radio going, Likes! It's the Likes family, man! It's the Likes family! And they would so be they're right. 15, 15 in the national list. but Yeah, 15 in the national list with 615,000 acres. Of course, he started with a modest 500-acre ranch, and today the doctor's heirs control 615,000 acres in the Sunshine State and Texas, devoted to citrus farming, sugar cane cultivation, and cattle ranching. Well, I just want to say, this is a top 30 list, and you got to 15. If it would have been a top 10, you would have made it. Dang! Well, we're going to do 14 <laughs> through when we come back, so we should make it through that one as well. All right, we're here with the Big and Wild Outdoors, brought to you by Brandon Ford and the good friends out there at G5 Feeding Outdoors. Go out and see them today. John and Robert out there in the gun department. Go out and shake their hands. Say, hey, what kind of good deals you got? Because you know what? John just got back from the Ella Brothers show, so I'm sure he's got lots of new nifty toys out there you want to take a look at. We'll be back, you guys. Hang in there. Play it, Alex. And I'm here. Welcome back, everybody. Big and Wild Outdoors. The two of us in the studio today. It's around 8.30. Vince said he'd show up, so we'll see. And uh, he's bringing in a couple of special guests. So uh, uh, did you text him? Did he text you back? Oh, I know he you, never texted back. Because I know you did the, uh, you know, the wake up pookie thing or something when yeah. you sent him a text. So I'll you know, just keep sending it to him. Maybe we'll... You know, yeah, you know what? I'm going to send one to him, too, later on. Uh, before the break, we were talking about the top 30 private uh, landowners in the United States. And uh, the reason why we say this is because uh, you can go look this up, by the way. It's on MSN if you just type in uh, the the largest landowners in the United States so that you know who to write letters to. Look, I'm trying to get my kid a really nice monster buck, and uh, you know, if I was wondering if there's a chance I may be able to come out on the... I just sent him three texts. He says, I'm up. Oh, okay, good. Uh, we left off at number 14, which is the Briscoe family out in Texas with 640,000 acres, and uh, they're old uh, Florida, I mean, Texas royalty. I think their great-great-grandfather actually was one of the guys who actually was one of the signers of the Texas Declaration of Independence. Um, number 13 is the Wilkes brothers with 702,000 acres and they own that in Texas and Montana. And they just actually recently added another 30,000 acres to their portfolio. If that's what you call it. Uh, the Ford family, 783,000 acres. And most of theirs is up in Oregon and Northern California. And they use it not for cows, but for cutting, they cutting trees, man cutting them trees and then let them grow back and let them grow back peter buck the founder of subway he's worth about 2.4 billion dollars and uh he has his vast investments in land and timberland totaling a hundred uh, excuse me eight hundred thousand acres up in maine maine up in maine that'd be like the whole state wouldn't it that's a lot <laughs> it's not very, doesn't leave much for the rest of them up there i mean that is a lot uh, the uh, Pingree 
heirs own 830,000 acres, most of it in Texas, Kentucky, Wisconsin, Ohio, and New Hampshire. And uh, they say it's controlled by their numerous descendants. So squabbling kids. King Ranch, you knew that was going to make it out there. 911, 215,000 acres. It literally runs between Corpus Christi and Brownsville, Texas. And uh, it is a huge one. And they do hunt. They do have ranching. And they do have farming as well as gas and oil. And they also do a lot of movies there as well. They film a lot of it because they have all the African animals out there running around. So I know that Ace Ventura, when nature calls. Pet uh, detective or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, pet detective. uh, It was filmed out at the King Ranch out there. So uh, I know it's been used for numerous backdrops for movies. Uh, The Singleton family, 1,100,000 acres. Gosh, that's a lot. Uh, near Santa Fe, New Mexico. Man, I, that just seems like so much. They, they have, have so much land, you couldn't even possibly see it all. Yeah, it's uh, 1.1 million acres in New Mexico and in California. That's the, I mean, that just tells you how big it is. Uh, Brad Kelly owns 1,150,000 acres uh, in Texas, Florida, and New Mexico. That's a lot. Irving family, 1,246,236 acres. Uh, They're uh, Canadians. They don't even live here in the United States, but they own almost a million, uh, million and a half acres here in the United States. What number were they? Six. Northern land, uh, wooded land up in northern Maine, which is most of it, of course, for harvesting of timber. Uh, Number five is the Reed family with 1,370,000 acres. They own land all over the place, but most of it in California, Oregon, and Washington. Same thing, timber. Timber. Timber companies. Number four, Stan Gronicki. Gronicki, I guess, $1,380,000. He's worth about $8.3 billion. He owns ranches out in Texas worth about uh, $725 million. And now he has uh, land all over the place and... Uh, well over a million three hundred thousand. Emerson family one million nine hundred and fifty nine thousand six hundred and sixty six. Guess what they do for a living? Timber. Timber. <laughs> That's right. In the Golden State and of course Washington, they also own fourteen sawmills scattered over across those two states as well. So they're making money now. Believe it or not, number two. I knew this. I knew he was up there, but I didn't know he was number two. Well, actually, people still call him number two. That'd be Ted Turner. No. Ted Turner with 2 million acres. He's worth $2.2 billion. He's the second biggest private landowner. He controls 2 million acres across the United States, mostly devoted to eco-friendly bison ranching to supply his Ted's Montana Grill chain of bison meat restaurants. In fact, he has the largest bison herd on the planet. Have you had a bison burger? Oh, of course I have. Oh, they're amazing. From the Ted's Montana Grill is really, really good. Oh, sure. We talk about food. Aaron just parks right up. Have you ever had that bison? <laughs> I mean, and you know what? A, a buffalo is almost like a hog. I mean, seriously, the, I don't think there's anything on a bison that is not eaten. Uh. I mean, everything from the tongue to the eyeballs, you know, barbacoa, you do the head. I mean, anything hanging underneath it or whatever inside of it, it's, it's all, it's all eaten. It's like, it's in like the, the hamburger or that's the easiest part. <laughs> 
Uh, but anyway, Ted Turner, yeah, two million acres, and the number one owner of the the uh, United States, or at least in private land, is a man I've never heard of before. But it's John Malone or Maloney, whichever one you want to do. He's the largest private landowner in the U.S. Liberty's John Maloney owns a staggering 2.2 million acres of land in the United States. He surpassed Ted Turner in 2011 to take the number one spot. And today the tycoon is worth about $7.5 billion, controls mammoth tracts of forested land in Maine, as well as ranches in Wyoming, New Mexico, and Colorado. Maine must be almost all private. I'm telling you. You know, it's crazy. I mean, you think about all of the rich guys that own it up there, and I don't know why. Is it for the logging or the syrup? I don't know. What else you, comes out of Maine? You got to build houses. Bear hunting. All that, all that timber has to come from somewhere. Yeah, but, I, you know, I never heard the name Georgia Pacific mentioned in here at all. And, I mean, uh, GP, I don't know how much or if that's privately held or if that's a corporation. Uh, you know, they have that land be the everywhere. Difference. Yeah, I mean, they have land Everywhere. I remember I hunted a place up in Gilcrest well, County. Likes Brothers is a company. Oh, that is true. Yeah. I hunted a, a place up in Gilcrest County and a nice planted pine forest was surrounding it and there was some native uh forest intertwined in between. And uh I was talking to the gentleman who invited us up there to go hunt about, you know, who owned the land and all that stuff. You know, it's stuff that I'd like to know in case like something happens or you know, you Maybe we shouldn't be there or whatever. And uh, he said, well, this is owned by, you know, Bill, whatever. And so we're all cool here. He goes, no, but that land over there with all the trees and stuff on over there is owned by a French company. Uh, they owned a lot of land, apparently, in Gilcrest County. So uh, it's owned by some corporation, some company up there. I go, well, what are they going to do with it? And they go, I don't know. Nobody knows. They're not doing anything with it. It's just laying there fallow. You know, it's just land. I don't Letting know if the trees tax, grow. Well, I don't know if it's a tax break or what. Yeah, but it's wild trees. It's not uh, planted pine type stuff. I don't know. I don't know either. Aaron, find out. Put can, in a call. Can you do that? I don't know that they'd answer this. Early. I'm just looking at it this way. Do my best. I uh, I got through. Now, here you go. I got through the top 14 <laughs> within the break. So, ha, ha, ha. But that's not a top 10 list. But it's 14. It's more than 10. It's Still like haven't made a top 10. Oh, you suck. Good job. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> he gets a gold star. <laughs> I want my... Yeah. <laughs> we, we all know, just be quiet. Just let him go down the list and don't talk. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what it was? Uh, yeah. I thought you guys were being awfully quiet. <laughs> oh, and by the way, before we take the top of the hour break, just so you know, uh, the government is shut down. It is still shut down. So in case you didn't know that, uh, I just wanted to inform everybody. So uh, a new uh, warning just came out this past week that if you are a vegan or somebody who enjoys green stuff, uh, one of the foods you <laughs> the foods you should avoid during the government shutdown. There are plenty of them that you should, but I noticed that in, nowhere on the list was venison or wild hog or squirrel. Yeah, none of that's on there. None of it. None of, none of that's on there. It's pretty amazing uh, because of the uh, USDA apparently is partially shut down. They're saying that everybody who's out there who enjoys uh, green leafy vegetables should probably stay away until the government shutdown is over. So they're just going to eat nuts. Uh, or you get to, you know, you got to cook it, you know? So I don't know anybody that cooks romaine lettuce or yogurt 
Do, do you? No. I mean, that'd be kind of a hard deal, but uh, they're even going as far as saying eggs and cake mix that you shouldn't, uh, you should kind of avoid them unless you've already purchased them because of the E. coli and any other things that are being, you know, inspected for. Also, you should avoid uh, ground beef and anything that's ground up and put in a tube. But large cuts of meat, you know, big roasts and steaks and things like that, they say you should be okay as long as you cook it up to 165 degrees Fahrenheit. So vegans are suffering as well during the government shutdown, Bill George. Here, I'll get you a tissue. Yeah. Yeah, I'll get any tissue. All right, it's top of the hour, you guys. Hang with us. We're going to be back after this short break. We're brought to you by G5 Feeding Outdoors and Brandon Ford. Just do it. <laughs> 